Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Welcome, everyone. So glad you're here today. For those of you who've been here earlier this month, you know we're working through Ernest Holmes' book, How to Use the Science of Mind. And I think I can probably catch you up in like one minute. Basically, the book is talking about spiritual principles and uh, what he calls spiritual laws. And so we started off the month talking about what a spiritual law is. And it's basically a description of how God works in the world. So it isn't even a description of God, but rather a spiritual law is how God gets God's business done out in the world. And we talked about how they work for everyone, that they're describable and repeatable. When you know how they work, you can use them proactively. Uh, We liken them to traffic laws in some ways, right? Uh, It's like everybody pretty much follows them. And if you don't follow them, you usually get in trouble. And that's true on the spiritual side as well. These laws are just there. uh, And when you know how to use them, you can use them positively in your life. Not knowing them, though, is no excuse, right? You'll still get the traffic ticket even if you didn't know that you could make a certain kind of turn or something like that. Spiritual laws work the same way. Well, we're going to finish up our study of this book today. It's the end of the month. And we're going to finish up with the spiritual law called the law of cause and effect. It's a real simple one, but it's also a little bit on the cerebral side. So I'll explain it. But I think examples will help us get a more heartfelt sense of how it works and how we might use it. So Ernest Holmes is famous for stating that this is the law by which our thoughts become things. And a longer description of it is behind every physical and visible effect, there is an invisible and spiritual cause. Okay, sounds a little on the heady side, I know. So let me use um, some examples for you. First of all, a, a positive example. So if you know how this works, you know that what's going on in your head turns into an effect in your life. In fact, one of the ways you can use this law, if you ever wonder what's going on in your mind, just look around you. Over time, your thoughts and beliefs surround you uh, through that uh, law of attraction that uh, uh, Reverend Barbara talked about a little bit ago. So literally, your thoughts over time, outpicture into the way you've created your world. Your belief in relationships outpictures as the kind of relationships you have. Your belief around abundance outpictures in the level of, of wealth and other forms of abundance you have. Your, your belief in, in how others treat you outpictures as how other people treat you over time. And so our thoughts over time become things. So that's the positive way that it works. And I'll use an example of how I really worked this in my own life a little bit ago. But I think it's time for maybe a negative version of it. And also my joke. 
So two college professors joined a hunting camp in Maine. As they entered their cabin, they noticed an unusual stove. It was set on posts about four feet high above the floor. The professors decided to test their understanding of the law of cause and effect to figure out the arrangement of the stove. Well, said one, this man has discovered that heat emanating from the stove strikes the roof and bounces back into the tent. So the cause is how radiant heat works, and the effect is we had to raise the stove up so that it works better. The other professor, being of a practical turn, thought the stove was set so high so that a good supply of wood could be placed under it and kept dry. The cause, he said, is convenient stoking, and the effect requires the stove to be raised. Well, after much argument, they called the guide and asked why the stove was the way it was. Well, gentlemen, he explained, when I brought the stove up the river, I lost half of the stovepipe overboard. So the cause of setting the stove was so high is so the stovepipe could still go through the roof. <laughs> and now it's time to introduce the world's hokiest audiovisual aids. So a simple diagram, a simple circular diagram with cause on the top and the effect at the bottom. And you'll notice the words are thoughts become things. So this is what I would call the positive and useful way that the law of cause and effect works. So typically, if we're using it, we will think of something that we wish to experience in our life We'll have thoughts about it. We'll create beliefs about it. We'll start taking actions on it. It's a very, um, how do I want to say it? A, a very straightforward process of cleaning up our mind with the idea of setting an intention of what we want to experience in the world. And after a while, those thoughts then become things. We see the effect of it. So if I have thoughts of love, if, I, if the causation up here is love and light and joy, and that's mostly what I focus my thoughts on, and I kind of ignore the a negativity around me, and I do a good job of orienting my thoughts and beliefs, what do you know? The world responds in a positive way. I start getting the effects that I wish to see. And those effects, of course, complete the circle, right? They reinforce the idea that this is a good and loving world to be in. It simply becomes easier and easier to have those beliefs because we're in, if you might think of it, an upward spiral. We're intentionally circling through this law of cause and effect to have a positive effect in our life. It's very intentional. And I'll use an example of that in a minute. But I also have another chart. And some of you will say, well, Larry, that's the same chart. <laughs> you cannot fool me. That's the same chart. Well, it is in a way. But if you notice the words really carefully, right? What if, what if we think that it's the effects that are running our life. What if we look around us and we notice all of the poverty that is existing in the world? What if we look around us and notice the effects of, uh, I don't know, graffiti and uh, uh, increasing crime rates and things like that? What if that's our primary motivator? Then 
we actually are messing up our lives a little bit, right? We're using that to fuel what we want to see in the world, or we're having our things become our thoughts. And so pretty soon we start thinking of the world as unsafe. Pretty soon we start thinking of our relationships as rocky and troublesome. Pretty soon that negativity that is so apparent out in the world begins to shape our very beliefs and our goals. This, friends, is the chart of victimhood. If you think about it, what is relatively difficult to change? It's the things of life. It's the situations of life. There are all kinds of things going on right now in the Portland area that could be improved upon. Do you, do you agree with me? Right? And so many of them seem beyond my ability to have a direct impact on. Things are difficult to change. But what's easy to change? At least I hope it's easy to change. My thoughts. I can always tinker with my own thoughts and beliefs. And so instead of victimhood, where we're allowing the world to dictate how we think and we, how we believe and our outlook on life, instead, instead, we're going to change our thinking about it. Yes, there is graffiti in the world. And I'm at peace with that. Yes, there is homelessness in the world, and I, I'm going to be at peace with it, but I know that it does not have to have an effect personally on me. And instead, I'm going to choose to see the world as a good place to live. I'm going to choose to see myself surrounded by friends and people who care. I'm going to choose to view abundance for myself and my family. I'm going to choose to uphold the ideas of courtesy and kindness to others. And why? Even though there might be some evidence to the contrary, I'm going to uphold those things because that's the way I want to be treated. That's the effect that I want to create in my own life. And you see, it's something that I can do. In and I know what you're going to say, oh no, he's holding them both up now. <laughs> but honestly, in, in the situation where we believe that things create our thoughts, we really then are at the mercy of the things that are dished out to us. Whereas if we recognize that our thoughts become things, all I need to do is change my thinking. All I need to do is have a better mental prototype of what I wish to understand and receive in the world. Now, some people might say, well, Larry, really what you're talking about is optimism. And I think you've got something there. I think that if you will discover yourself around a more optimistic track, what if everything goes right? What if this relationship improves? What if there really is plenty of money to do all the things I need to do? You will tend to have a more optimistic outlook and things that will fill that optimism, you'll be scanning in the horizon. You are more apt to make good choices. You're more apt to see the world's possibilities. You're more apt to be in that place where your dreams are going to be fulfilled in a positive way. 
If, on the other hand, you go with the, the more pessimistic view, things are terrible and probably going to get worse, right? We're feeding into that cause and effect loop something that's going to do what? We're going to be noticing every little thing that's going wrong, and that's going to fuel that spiral of everything is just terrible, my life is terrible. My relationships are terrible. Because we're actively seeking out visual and sensual confirmation of the negativity. We'll be seeking out those things that we don't like anymore. Okay, so I want to use um, an example where I think in my own life I really switched charts, if you will. I, I have to admit, although I've been happily in a relationship now for I think we figured it out. It was 12 years. Super happy. Love the guy to pieces. That was not always the case for me. I, I hesitate even to call my dating years uh, particularly pleasant. And I would say that what I was doing was following the negative part of this chart, right? I was looking around me and I was looking at my own life and I was saying, dating is terrible. I was saying things like, all the men that I meet are just stinkers. I was saying things like, uh, gay relationships never last very long. I was saying things that really, and you can find evidence of it, right? It's not like I'm saying anything that doesn't resonate with all of you, right? We've all had those negative experiences, but my head was full of it. And so what was I attracting in? The fulfillment <laughs> of those negative expectations, I was finding uh, people that were really not emotionally available to me. I was finding relationships that really wouldn't last very long. Everything about it was uh, me being a victim of the dating scene, of uh, urban gay life, whatever, whatever you want to call it. I totally pictured myself the victim. And it was accurate, right? I was feeding into that love, cause and effect. And so I was getting some just terrible dates. I, I still remember the one gentleman that I, that I met at a, at a charity fundraiser. And he seemed so interesting, you know, so happy-go-lucky. And so I went out with, I think, three dates with him. Every single time, he talked mostly about his ex. <laughs> and, and at least twice while he was doing that, he cried during dinner, <laughs> right? That, that's, that was like typical of what I was drawing in because of my belief system. Okay, so about 15 years ago, I was involved in the science of mind. I first learned about the laws of cause and effect, and I said to myself, well, wait a minute. Okay, if my life is an outpicturement, if my life is an effect, then what am I thinking? What are my thoughts around this issue? i got to heal this. It isn't just a matter of finding someone else to date, right? 
That's going with the effect. That's rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. I'm sure you've heard that expression before, right? That's just finding another, another person, but not solving the real issue, which was my beliefs. And so literally in one of our classes, I wrote down all my beliefs about primary relationship. And it was about a page and a half long. And I looked over that list and I went, holy heck, no wonder, no wonder. It's like, I, I believe that relationships won't last. I believe that dating is hard. I believe that so many men are not really very emotionally available. Uh, this whole series of, of beliefs, and that's exactly what I was getting. And so I, I had to say to myself, well, okay, how can I change these beliefs? How can I change me to attract in something that is more what I'm hoping for. So first of all, I had to practice on the actual beliefs. So for each of my negative beliefs, I wrote out a more positive one. Something like, dating can be fun. Something like, uh, the men that I meet are always going to be there for me emotionally. And I have to admit, I turned them into affirmations. And at first, when I would say them out loud, in fact, let's see if I can duplicate it. Dating is fun. <laughs> right? It's, it's like at first, I have to admit, right? I was just making it up. At first, I really didn't believe them. But I had to practice, right? Sometimes changing our mind requires us to practice. And so, so next up, it was more like, dating could be fun. Notice I just changed one word, but I made it real. Dating could be fun. I changed it to could, because <laughs> I wasn't quite ready to go any further than that. And that's okay, right? We build our faith. We build our ability to believe something else. And so after a while, I could honestly say those things. I was beginning to change my mind. I also started hanging out with people who were in long-term relationships. Happy long-term relationships. And boy, did that make it easier for me to say things like relationships can last for a long time and the people still love each other. <laughs> I, well, no, really. And some of you are laughing because most of you already know that. But at the time, I didn't particularly believe that until I started hanging out with examples of it in my own world. It made all the difference in the world. And so it became true for me. My new beliefs started attracting people in. I wasn't trying to meet people anymore with online dating circumstances. And instead, I was just meeting people in more casual activities. Well, and it worked. It totally worked. I mean, the, the gentleman I'm with, am with now is my partner. Oh, my gosh. It's like I could not love him anymore. But it really was the difference between believing that I am a victim of my circumstances versus I am in control of my beliefs and thoughts. And what I believe, my thoughts, will become things. So that's the basics of the law of cause and effect. So in summary, it says that behind every physical and visible effect, there's a spiritual and invisible cause. So my thinking, my invisible thoughts and beliefs, 
are what outpicture into my life as my perception of reality. We can change our experience of the world by changing our mental beliefs. And we talked about using uh, perhaps unintentionally the law of cause and effect in a way that'll actually create a downward spiral, right? If we think that we are at the effect of all the stuff in our life, oh my gosh, you can get in a downward spiral. You can start actually seeking out the negativity to reinforce your negative beliefs. And pretty much you are a very unhappy person. And then finally, moving forward with our intentions, Think of it as an inside-out process. You want to make a change in your life? We start with our thoughts, not with just making changes on the outside. We don't dare say to ourselves, I'll be happy when I find the right man. I'll be happy when I find the right job. I'll finally find fulfillment when something happens. Instead, we look inwards. What thoughts do I need? What beliefs do I need? How do I need to be different to achieve my goals? What would a happily married person be thinking about in terms of relationship? What would a successful businessman be thinking? Not me wishing I was a successful businessman and, and everywhere seeing the, the possibilities dry up and, and not even getting invited to uh, you know apply for a job or something like that. No, don't focus on the things. Focus on what success is and success will be drawn to you. Well, I do have some homework for you. Uh, pick an area of your life where there's some disappointment. I'm sure all of us have an area in our life where there's some disappointment. It doesn't need to be a huge big thing, but some area where we'd like to see improvement. Now this, and this can be tough to acknowledge, this is an effect of your beliefs and your thinking. Now, now, some of you might be saying, now, whoa, wait a minute. I liked this right up until now, but I do not want to think that I was the cause of this breakup or this terrible job or whatever it is. And all I can say is, yes, yes, your beliefs and your thoughts had a part in that. Now, you might not be entirely to blame, right? The world is full of people, each of us with our own systems of cause and effect. And when we bounce across to other people, of course, we're, we're in it together for, for, uh, for good or bad, right? But, but I assure you, when you look around in your world, whether you see good things or whether you see not so good things, you have a part in creating that through your thinking. So homework, pick an area of your life with some disappointment. This is an effect of your thinking. What thoughts and beliefs can be changed to have a more positive effect? How might you change your thinking about that negative work situation? How might you change your thinking about your finances? Or living here in the city of Portland right now, how might you change your thinking to get different results, to have a better effect? Well, I want to close today with a, a quote from the book and a prayer. Ernest Holmes, at the end of this book, says, the spiritual mind practitioner, so, so we're all practitioners of spiritual laws, the spiritual mind practitioner theoretically solves everything 
through our mind, feeling that mind is an invisible form and it's no different from mind in its objective or more solid state. So what he's saying is, as our thinking is in alignment with what we choose to have in the world, that alignment will happen. He goes on to say, when the stream of consciousness is changed about a certain condition, that condition must of necessity change to correspond to it. So as our mind begins thinking about love and light, so we will see love and light. As our mind begins thinking more about success and honesty, those are the things we will begin seeing in the world. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness. There's only this one thing. I call it spirit. It goes by many names. It doesn't care. But it is all immersive. It is everywhere present. And what I know about this thing is that we can use it. That it is here to act upon our intentions, our thoughts, our wisdom, our desires. It is here to, to create that effect based on the causality of our own thinking, our own desires, our own beliefs. And so I know on this day, we each have that ability to be proactive, to begin plugging our mind filled with the things that we wish to see rather than the things that we're afraid of, that we can choose to believe differently in order to have a different effect, to see our lives more loving, more joyous, more abundant. And so I'm grateful for this. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure to have you with us. Now is our time of conscious giving. If you'd like to take out your gift or your um, tithe, whatever it is you've brought to share with us today, I invite you, if you like, to place it over your heart and just repeat after me, graciously I give, from a place of love, knowing that as I give, so do I richly receive. And for those of you online, you can go to our website at cslportland.org slash donate. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, 
You are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.